If you had to pick and you could only choose one, who would you choose, Joe Rogan or the Canadian Convoy of Truckers? It's a hard question, isn't it? This, this is actually a very important question. It's not just a fun thought experiment. It's not just a would you rather question. This is a really important question because right now we have Joe Rogan who has interviewed Dr. Peter McCullough. He's interviewed Dr. Robert Malone. And those episodes, the two of them went wildly viral. And after they went viral, they went viral, by the way, because those two doctors were questioning Fauci and the Biden administration and this public health establishment, Big Pharma. Um, collaboration, we'll call it. And after they went viral, of course, the left-wing apparatuses in our country are calling it misinformation. They're calling for Spotify to censor Joe Rogan. At the same time, we have this convoy of truckers, this 50,000 trucks that are in Canada right now in Ottawa, Hundred over a million people, 1.5 million people, I think, showed up to support them. Incredible thing. These two people are actually doing somewhat of the same thing. They are bucking the trends. They are questioning the hierarchy and they are fighting for Americans and not just Americans and Canadians, the worldwide medical freedom. So who would you choose? Who would you rather have fight on your side? Would you rather have Joe Rogan or would you rather have the Canadian truckers? That's what we're gonna answer today. And Joe Rogan, by the way, issued a video response to the calls for censorship the calls for uh, against quote unquote misinformation that the left alleges he contained in his episodes. And I gotta say, we all love Joe Rogan. We love who he's talking about or who he's talking to. We love the questions he's asking, but I think he's getting this one a little bit wrong. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. So first of all, I just want to talk about how insane the mainstream media is being with this. Variety had a headline that I think is worth noting here. It made me laugh when I read it. They say, Spotify lost more than $2 billion in market value after Neil Young pulled his music over Joe Rogan's podcast. So we've all heard Neil Young threatened to take all of his music off of Spotify if Spotify did not censor Joe Rogan. Variety claims that they lost $2 billion over that. But then we have John Ziegler from Mediaite who... I, I want to show this on the screen, actually. This is, he tweeted a chart that shows the truth, and he tweeted, this is cherry-picked bullshit from Variety. The market in general was way down this week, but in the last two days of trading, since they announced Young was gone and Rogan is staying, their stock, Spotify's stock, is actually up slightly. And then he concludes with all of our thoughts, you moronic hacks have no shame. That, of course, is the mainstream media who wants to pretend that Neil Young has, I don't know, more value than than Joe Rogan here, even though Joe Rogan is smashing records with the amount of viewership that he's getting on each and every one of his podcasts. So obviously these boycotts of these artists, it's not just Neil Young, but these boycotts of these artists aren't working. And there is kudos where it's due to Spotify for not caving, at least as of yet, not caving to this rage mob, not censoring Joe Rogan. This is a good thing. And we should encourage Spotify to continue this. We should encourage Joe Rogan to continue his questioning and how he's behaving. However, Rogan issued a video on Instagram in response to this call this call for censorship and Neil Young saying, please remove my music if you're going to have Rogan on there. And I, I, I want to show a part of this because I think what part of this really, we, we need to understand as conservatives, the part of this video is um, not so good. Take a listen. Um, the podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation. 
specifically about two episodes, a little bit about some other ones, but specifically about two, one with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. I had them on, and because of that, those episodes in particular, uh, those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. They had dangerous misinformation in them. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now, that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. One of the things that Spotify wants to do that I agree with is that at the beginning of these controversial podcasts, like specifically ones about COVID, is to put a disclaimer and say that you should speak with your physician and that these people and the opinions that they express are contrary to the opinions of uh, the consensus of experts, which I think is very important. Sure, have that on there. I'm very happy with that. Um, Also, I think... Uh, if there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. Uh, I would most certainly be open to doing that. And uh, I would like to talk to some people that have uh, differing opinions on those podcasts in the future. We'll see. Don't you wonder what prompted this? That, that was my first reaction when I saw this video. I thought, okay, so he has over a $100 million contract with Spotify. So is this just a money thing? Does Spotify have some kind of clause in his contract that would allow them basically to dock his pay or fire him if he doesn't align with what they think? Is there some kind of... Is there some kind of clause in here that requires him to do this? So is this about money or is this a political thing? Is he just, is he getting pressure from politicians? Is Spotify getting pressure from politicians? Or is this just a human nature thing where if you are the subject of a pylon, it's incredibly difficult not to cave? I wonder what prompted this video because it seems to me that this is a soft apology. This is actually not Rogan standing up and saying, I am doubling down on what I do. I make no apologies. I stand for free speech. And if that offends you too bad, bring your opinions or bring your bring your philosophy to the court of public opinion and debate them rather than calling for my censorship. I don't think that this is that this is Rogan standing strong. I think that this is a soft apology. I honestly was fairly disappointed in how Rogan responded to this for a couple reasons. So he mentions, he uses a rhetorical tactic actually, where he says, are are the comments and the opinions held by Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone, are they true? And he says, I don't know. 
I'm a doctor. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. And I don't like this at all because this is essentially perpetuating the idea of a technocracy. And the idea of a technocracy would mean that you and I, as everyday Americans, aren't qualified to have an opinion in specialized fields, meaning we don't, we aren't qualified to question politicians about medical freedom or about public health because we don't have a degree in public health or a degree in medicine. And so if you if you situate or you construct your society based on a technocracy, then the people have no voice whatsoever. You just automatically defer to ex, quote unquote experts in their field, meaning credentialed people in that scientific field. And those scientists then dictate public policy, which means that they're the boss of you. Just And you have you can't question them. You can't be skeptical at all. So I, I reject this idea that Joe Rogan is not qualified to determine truth or to expose corruption or to question the medical establishment. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, Joe. It doesn't matter if you're a scientist. You are qualified just as an American citizen to question what our politicians are imposing on us. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when Rogan says that he's totally fine with Spotify adding a disclaimer to the beginning of any episode that he on which he has a guest and that guest is questioning the medical consensus, he said he's totally fine with that. And again, I, I completely reject this. And we all in the conservative movement should reject this because this idea of a label or a disclaimer, we'll just call it a disclaimer. A disclaimer is the same as a misinformation label. It's the same as the fact checks that we'll see on Facebook or that we'll see on Instagram. And this misinformation label is actually the first step to censorship. It's also, by the way, unscientific to base science on a consensus because science is not just is not just popular opinion. Science is science. Science is supposed to be is supposed to be empirically proven. It's supposed to be an observable an observable truth in the natural world. So it actually doesn't matter how many people agree with it or not. It's objective truth and it exists whether or not people accept it. So that's that's the first thing with putting a caveat or a disclaimer about an opinion being contrary to medical consensus. Medical consensus does not equal truth. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is a misinformation labels the first step to censorship because it gives power to someone else to be the arbiter of truth, meaning Spotify or Spotify's medical board or whatever they're going to use to determine whether something is contrary to the medical consensus, it is giving legitimacy. It is putting that medical board or even putting Spotify on this hierarchy of information, meaning they get to determine what is truth. It's not a matter of, okay, this is just information and then you, the people, determine whether you want to accept it or not or determine whether or not it is false, whether it is true, whether it is accurate, whether it is science or whether it is ideology. They are taking, or in this case, Joe Rogan is giving them a position in this hierarchy of being the arbiter of truth. And I don't want any kind of publisher, any kind of big tech platform to be the arbiter of truth. I don't even want the government to be the arbiter of truth when it comes to when it comes to scientific information, when it comes to medical medical freedom, when it comes to pandemic, how to handle a pandemic from a governmental standpoint, I don't want anybody to be an arbiter of truth to determine that they, with a smack of a gavel, get to say, this is true and this is false. And Joe Rogan was correct, by the way. One of the ways that he was very, very, very correct, and this is why it's contradictory, one of the areas that he was very correct is in saying there's a problem with the label misinformation to begin with because when misinformation, as it relates to COVID at least, is applied, it has, or when it has been applied in the past two years, it has also been proven to be false 
after a certain amount of time. And he gave the examples of cloth masks, what, what, what we were told by the public health establishment about cloth masks two years ago um, is not true now. And those of us who questioned the public health establishment two years ago were told we were engaging in misinformation only to have what we said two years ago be proven to be correct now. So what was formerly labeled as misinformation is actually truth. It's not just masks. It's also the efficacy of vaccines as it, as it relates to contracting the virus or transmitting the virus if you've been vaccinated or the lab leak theory. He's exactly correct on how misinformation has been used against science. It's been used to stifle skepticism. It's been used to silence dissent from this quote-unquote consensus of medical opinion, and the consensus two years ago in at least those three areas has been proven to be wrong. So I think using misinformation uh, or allowing a disclaimer is the first step to censorship. Now, Spotify has updated their, what they call their misinformation rules as it relates to COVID. And I want to read those in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Moinkbox. Do you hear that sound right now? That, my friends is filet mignon. If you could see and you could taste this filet mignon from moinkbox.com, you would order it right now. But for now, let me tell you, it's delicious. My husband is not a vegan, and I can't think of much else that gets him more excited than when we get a delivery of Moinkbox. Moinkbox, of course, delivers to your home grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. This helps family farms, by the way, become financially independent. Their animals are raised outdoors. Their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. So sign up at moinkbox.com slash Liz to get a year of free filet mignon. And then you can pick what other meats you want delivered with your first box. You can also change what you get each month and cancel anytime. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash Liz right now, and you can get free filet mignon for a year if you use my code. That's one year of free filet mignon, but for a limited time, it's called M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Liz. Moinkbox dot com slash Liz. Use my promo code and you will get a year of free filet mignon. Moinkbox.com slash Liz. Okay, so Spotify in the wake of this little dust up between Joe Rogan and Democratic politicians and Big Pharma, let's be honest about who who's opposing Joe Rogan here. Uh, Spotify released new quote-unquote misinformation rules. And these are their misinformation rules as it pertains to COVID. You are forbidden by Spotify on Spotify to claim that COVID-19 is a hoax, to claim that the vaccines were designed to cause death, and you're forbidden to encourage listeners to drink bleach as a treatment or to deliberately catch the virus. Okay, so that's actually quite a bit different than what Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or Instagram, any of these other platforms have much more draconian rules. These are not, as far as they go, extremely draconian rules. And for that, we should thank Spotify. We should be grateful to Spotify for bucking the trend of Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and all the rest of them. The other thing that I would say to Joe Rogan is don't apologize. First of all, you have nothing to apologize for. But even even if you felt that you had something to apologize for, don't. Because it's never enough. Because the left, the radical left has completely obliterated the idea of redemption, meaning 
in the olden days, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, if you apologized for something in, the, in, in a, a person in the public eye, if you apologized for something, you were generally forgiven. It was the apology that showed that you repented of what you did and that you were going to try harder not to behave that way in the future. Well, that's not how it works these days. If you apologize, the left just views it as a show of weakness. They view it as you have, you have, bared your Achilles heel. They will come for blood if you apologize because they sh they view you as cracking under their bullying. You are caving to their bullying and they're going to use your apology against you. So don't apologize. It's never enough for the left because they don't, they're not just opposed. In the case of Joe Rogan, they're not just opposed to the idea that he's asking questions or they're not just opposed to these two guests, Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone. They're actually opposed to Joe Rogan questioning the radical leftist ideology. They're opposed to any of us thinking independently. And so apologizing, even if you, even if you felt that you should apologize, which you shouldn't, you did nothing wrong, but it's never enough. It's never enough unless you tow the line of their radical leftist ideology. The other major mistake I think that Joe Rogan made here is he promised to balance his coverage. He said, if I have a guest on my show who is controversial, whose viewpoints are contrary to the consensus of medical experts here. He said he should do better about having an opposing viewpoint on very shortly after. So what he means by that is after he has someone like McCullough or like Malone on, he's going to have the propaganda on next. He's going to have the big pharma propaganda or the big government propaganda, the radical leftist ideology propaganda on next. And I don't understand this. Purely from a practical standpoint, why would you do that? Why would you want to be a shill? As critical as Joe Rogan has been of CNN in the past couple months, why would you want to turn yourself into the same thing? Why would you want to be a shill for these propagandists? Why would you turn yourself into less than you are? Why would you surrender your independent thought to the woke mob? You can, if you want to, if you want to hear the propaganda, you can turn on CNN or MSNBC. You can read the CDC. You can listen to Jen Psaki. You can watch Joe Biden. The propaganda is widely disseminated, widely available. So why would you demean yourself and pollute your brand by disseminating propaganda? I don't get this. It also contradicts what he said because Rogan admitted that both McCullough and Malone were correct about masks, about the efficacy of vaccines, meaning whether you can transmit the virus if you've been vaccinated, and the lab leak theory that they've been correct for two years when the opposite, the consensus, the propagandists were wrong. So why would you want to give platform A to propagandists and B to people who have been proven wrong and you admit that they've been proven wrong? That I think is a huge mistake. It's, it is caving to the woke mob. They're saying, well, if you're gonna get so many views on the people that we don't like, then at least give us the chance to spew and spout our propaganda. I don't understand this, but I will say this, this, this whole, this whole controversy that has happened with Joe Rogan and Spotify, especially in the last couple of days, is a lesson for conservatives. It's something conservatives get wrong oftentimes. And the lesson here is that conservatives should not count on celebrities to be our saviors. We should not elevate a person in a position in the public eye and put them on a pedestal as being greater than we are and even having power larger or more influential than we have in, in, instead of forming a collective amongst ourselves in the grassroots sense to become a force that is actually more influential than people like Joe Rogan. And I'm not, I don't mean this with any disrespect to Joe Rogan. I think it's fantastic that he talks to McCullough, fantastic that he talks to Malone. I think that 
he is doing a decent job because remember, he is a liberal after all. He's not a conservative. He's ideologically on the opposite end of the spectrum on a lot of issues compared to you and to me. However, he's doing a good job, but when you count on someone else instead of counting on yourself, then you run the risk of exactly this happening, of that other person caving at a time that you don't want them to cave. And so I challenge conservatives, I charge conservatives, don't always elevate celebrities as our saviors, especially as political saviors. Instead, count on yourself. Count on all of us together to form a grassroots movement to stand up so that we can stand up ourselves for our rights. And of course, what I'm talking about here, I'm talking about the Canadian convoy of truckers. By the way, by the way, let me, before I even get to that, it's funny because Neil Young, I mentioned earlier, Neil Young is not the only artist on Spotify who has threatened to pull his music off of the platform if they allow Joe Rogan to continue. Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell is another artist, another old artist, I should mention, another old artist who has followed suit, taking her music off of Spotify if Spotify allows Joe Rogan on there. And when Joni Mitchell did this, you know, Zoomers said who? Um, But speaking of other talented Canadians, let us get to the Canadian truck convoy here. Um, First though, I want to talk to you quickly about stamps.com. If you are a small business owner, and I know a lot of you are, you know that there's nothing more valuable than your time. So stop wasting it on trips to the post office. There is a solution to this problem. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your own computer. You can save time and money with Stamps.com. Send letters and packages for less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com brings the services of the post office and UPS shipping right to your own computer. So whether you're in office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer, no special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you are up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail's ready, all you have to do is schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. And there's no risk. With my promo code, Liz, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Liz, L-I-Z. That's stamps.com, promo code Liz, and you'll never have to go to the post office again. Okay, so the Canadian Trucker Convoy, before we even get to that, Chelsea Clinton has been calling, this this is about free speech, Chelsea Clinton has been calling for Substack. You all are familiar with Substack. It's a subscription-based newsletter service dedicated to free speech. It is where Barry Weiss has been able to build her absolutely wildly successful um, newsletter after she left the New York Times. It's where Alex Berenson, friend of the show, friend of mine, where Alex Berenson, who has done incredible reporting on COVID-19 from the beginning, where he has been able to find a platform after Twitter unfairly banned him. Again, it's actually ironic because what Alex Berenson was banned for at the time was labeled misinformation is now just widely acknowledged to be true. Again, why misinformation is stupid. So Chelsea Clinton is calling for Substack to censor Alex Berenson because he's been so successful. This is this is what she said. She said, anti-vax grift is going strong. Oh, let me just interrupt this tweet. Isn't it funny how the left has 
tried to hijack the term anti-vax. Anti-vax used to be a label used for people who did not want any vaccinations at any time, that they were against the idea of vaccination. Well, now the left has hijacked that term and redefined anti-vax, which had a derogatory meaning beforehand. And they've hijacked this term to mean anybody against vaccine mandates, COVID-19 vaccine mandates, or anybody who questions the efficacy or the safety of the COVID-19 vaccine. So it's funny to see the left kind of not only hijack these terms, but then twist them and redeploy them for their own terms. That's what Chelsea Clinton does. She says, anti-vax grift going strong. Why is Substack facilitating science denialists' ability to profit from destructive lies and comfortable profiting themselves. She then posts a headline from The Guardian that says, anti-vaxxers making at least two and a half million dollars a year from publishing on Substack. So after Chelsea Clinton posted this, the vice president of communication at Substack, her name is Lulu Chang Maservi, she issued a Twitter thread responding to this. And let me just say, Joe Rogan and everyone else in the world should take a moment to read this because this is a lesson. This is how you respond when the radical left woke mob tries to, sen tries to censor you and silence you and cancels you. This is what Lulu Chang Maservi says. She said, at Substack, we don't make moderation decisions based on public pressure or PR considerations. An important principle for us is defending fr free expression, even for stuff we personally dislike or disagree with. We understand principles come at a cost. She says, I'm proud of our decision to defend free expression, even when it's hard, because one, we want a thriving ecosystem full of fresh and diverse ideas. That cannot happen without the freedom to experiment or even to be wrong. Two, people already mistrust institutions, she says, media and each other. Knowing that dissenting views are being suppressed makes the mistrust worse. Withstanding scrutiny makes truths stronger, not weaker. Three, she says, we made a promise to writers that this is a place they can pursue what they find meaningful without coddling or controlling. We promised we wouldn't come between them and their audiences, and we intend to keep our side of the agreement for every writer that keeps theirs. She said, I respect that writers on Substack are people who like to think for themselves. They tend not to be conformists, and they have the confidence and strength of conviction not to be threatened by views that disagree with them or even discuss them. This is becoming increasingly rare. Four, she says, who should be the arbiter of what's true? and good and right. People should be allowed to decide for themselves, not have a tech executive decide for them. I wouldn't want someone to pick out my clothes for me, much less ideas. Number five, she says, the only area where we humans have a perfect track record is that, we're is that we've consistently gotten things wrong. Every generation has beliefs and blind spots that make future generations aghast. It would be the height of arrogance to think we've suddenly become infallible now. If everyone who has ever been wrong about this pandemic were silenced, there would be no one left talking about it at all. When it comes to bad ideas, she said, it's neither right nor smart to martyr them and drive them into dark corners where they're safe from examination and questioning. That doesn't work. What works is examination and mockery. She said, I read things on Substack all the time that I personally disagree with. Open debate is not always comfortable, but neither for that matter, matter is the C. She said, our co-founders just shared a post on why and how Substack aims to rebuild trust in the media ecosystem. The short version of that is we make decisions based on principles, not PR. We will defend free expression and we will stick to our hands-off approach to content, content moderation. Kudos, by the way, that's the end. Kudos to Lulu Chang Missouri. Kudos to Substack. This is exactly how free speech should be handled by platforms. They should reiterate that they are a platform, that they're not an editor. They should reiterate 
that it, it, they're not endorsing necessarily everything that's published on their platform because the responsibility for that idea lies with the person expressing that idea, not the platform that's publishing it. This is exactly what, this is exactly how Joe Rogan should have responded. This is exactly how Spotify should respond. And it's exactly why Substack, which is a newsletter-based organization or locals where I am, are successful, are growing at such a wild pace because people are looking for these communities. They're looking for truth. They do distrust the media and they want to know that they can think for themselves and that they can consider these ideas. So kudos to Substack um, for doing this. Okay, so the Canadian trucker convoy. The Canadian trucker convoy is a million and a half people. I think it's 1.4 million people showed up to Ottawa, 50,000 trucks. You guys have seen these videos. We, it's unbelievable. It's as disheartening as it's been the past two years to watch the American people not push back enough against politicians to see the American people allow the Biden administration and Gavin Newsom and Cuomo and all and Fauci and all the rest of these people impose unconstitutional, draconian, unscientific, unscientific, impractical, wildly unpopular dictates over us. This will do the reverse. This will be a buoy in your heart. This will be so great. And what's even greater is in Saskatchewan, the premier there, his name is Scott Moe, he actually said that they're listening to these truckers. These truckers are protesting against vaccine mandates that would not allow them to come into the United States to deliver goods and services. And it's put a huge, huge burden on the supply chain in Canada as well, of course, obviously, because they can't cross from the United States back into Canada here. Well, the premier of Saskatchewan says this. Thank you, he says, for delivering the food and household products we all use every day, the parts and equipment that keep our farms and industries running, and every other kind of goods and products you can imagine. If you bought something today, a trucker delivered it, so thank you. Then he says this. The current federal policy does pose a significant risk to Canada's economy and to the supply chain in our Saskatchewan communities where you and I live. He's talking about the VAX mandate. He says this federal policy will increase the cost of living, which is now rising at a rate that is creating significant hardship for many Canadians. That is why my government supports your call to end the cross-border ban on unvaccinated truckers. And it is why in the not too distant future, our government will be ending proof of negative test or proof of vaccination policy in Saskatchewan. Again, I, we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time criticizing politicians because they deserve the criticism, but we should also spend time when there is a politician who has gotten something right, we should give credit where it's due. And the Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe, even though he did what I personally, this is one of my pet peeves, when politicians say, well, I oppose vaccine mandates, but I just want you to know that I'm triple vaxxed, all my family members are vaxxed, I, it's my pet peeve. I hate when people give that caveat. Great, I, I don't care if you got the vaccine or not. Just oppose the mandates. Just stand strong against the mandates. And he did, he did my pet peeve, but I'm gonna give him a pass because he's listening to his people. He is rejecting tyranny in favor of freedom. You can contrast this with what's having in, happening in Nova Scotia. The premier there, Tim Houston, is a tyrant who is fining citizens. There is a threat to fine citizens $10,000 if they gather in support of the convoy. Now, of course, they're presenting this as a highway blockade ban. They say allowing people to gather in these particular areas would put themselves and others at risk, to which I call absolute bullshit, absolute BS here. This is just a way for tyrants to stifle dissent, to silence their opposition, to force conformity 
and obedience to this authoritarian vaccine mandate, which does hurt the people, people of Canada and the people of America. So they're fining individuals who protest in support of these truckers $10,000 and fining corporations up to $100,000. So one of the hilarious parts of this is Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada. Oh, also, I don't know if you guys have seen the memes going around. They're super funny. The combination or the combination of Justin Trudeau's name and the let's go Brandon meme to go let's go Brando. Absolutely hilarious. Let's go Brando escaped Ottawa because he didn't want to face people opposing his political dictates here. But the ironic part here is he escaped to freedom, the same type of freedom that he is denying the people of his country. At the same time, he tested positive for COVID-19 and far be it for me, I'm not going to laugh at someone who's sick. I'm not going to laugh at someone who has COVID-19 just because they have COVID-19. But I will laugh at the fact that he got COVID-19 despite being vaccinated and trying to force everybody to be vaccinated under the premise that being vaccinated will stop the spread of this virus. That is funny. I don't care who you are. That is funny. Right at the time that these truckers came into Ottawa, you can't make this up. There's some kind of poetic justice there. The only question that I have here is why Canada has staged this mass protest before we have in the United States. Because again, kudos where it's due. This is exactly what a free people should be doing. They should be pushing back against authoritarian authoritarian mandates, which is what the people of Canada are doing. But where is this in the United States? Where are enormous protests? Where are these rallies where people are saying, enough, we will not stand for this tyranny anymore? I know we've had small rallies, small protests, small events, but this is overwhelming. There's no way that the government of Canada can ignore these truckers. There's no way that the media here in the United States can ignore these truckers. They're trying to demonize the truckers, and we'll get to that in a second, but the massive scale of the Canadian trucker convoy cannot be ignored. This is what I was talking about before when I posed this tongue-in-cheek question of who would you choose, Joe Rogan or the Canadian truckers? Because Joe Rogan has an incredible platform, and I'm very grateful that he's using it for the most part to question the COVID-19 narrative that's coming from Dr. Fauci and Big Pharma. But at the same time, this grassroots effort, these truckers who you don't know their names, I don't know their names. These aren't celebrities. These aren't people who have built a public following and then are using that public following or that their platform to speak to their following. No, these are people like you and I. These are people who don't stand to lose something by speaking out like Joe Rogan does, but who have already lost something based on the authoritarian dictates of their government. And so these truckers aren't going to cave the way that a celebrity might because they've already lost. And if this, if this isn't clear, what I mean is that Joe Rogan has on the line his show. He has on the line Spotify publishing his episodes. He has on the line probably creative control, probably hundreds of millions of dollars. These truckers don't. What's on the line for these truckers has already been harmed. Their livelihoods, their ability to, help, to participate in the economy of Canada. And so... When you, when you have this choice in front of you, who would you choose, Joe Rogan or the Canadian truckers? I think I would choose the Canadian truckers. I would choose the Canadian truckers because they are an example of what makes a, different in public po a difference in public policy. They make a difference in public policy because every person that's participating in these protests has the power to vote out the politicians who are acting tyrannically above them. 
It's, it's an interesting thought experiment, but it's something that here in the United States, we need to reclaim. This is who we used to be. And I'm not just talking about back with the Boston Tea Party. I'm talking about with the 2010 Tea Party. We used to, this is what we used to do when the government was acting in an authoritarian way, when they were not representing our interests, we let them know that we didn't like it. We turned out in peaceful protests and it made a difference. It made a difference in the next elections. It made a difference in the current politicians who were worried about being voted out. They changed, they softened their, their authoritarian policies. And we ought to be doing this. Now, the mainstream media and the left also recognize the extent of this threat, the extent of the power of grassroots movement like the truckers' convoy. And you can tell that they understand the threat because of their response to it. There was a pictorial graphic that went viral on Instagram over the weekend. It's from a, a pretty popular account, a pretty popular, I don't even know how to describe it, a Christian account, but uh, I'll call it a woke Christian account. And I know that that's a contradiction, but I'm just describing it, how they present themselves. They present themselves, I think it's called decolonizing, the decolonized Christians, what, what this uh, account calls themselves. And they're, they're their graphics went viral over the weekend because they made an accusation that the trucker convoy that was protesting against vaccine mandates is equitable to white supremacy, that it's the same thing as white supremacy. And so I, I, I want to debunk this because these are absolutely absurd arguments that they make. We're going to do that in just a second, but first I want to talk to you about Soul. Today's episode of The Liz Wheeler Show is brought to you by Soul. Soul is the sustainable orthopedic footwear company that seeks to enhance your mobility and improve your foot health to keep you in the game longer by building shoes from the inside out. So first of all, did you know that 85% of the population will have one or more foot-related ailments in their lifetime? A lot of these ailments can be helped with a footbed. Well, what is a footbed? Soul defines their signature footbed as a great place to rest your soul. It's affordable, customizable, and improves people's everyday foot comfort. Millions of customers rave about this product, and two-thirds of Soul customers have two or more pairs of footbeds. Once you know the comfort, the pain relief, the performance enhancement, and injury prevention benefits of Soul footbeds, you will want them in every shoe you own. They have an amazing offer for first-time customers if you use my URL. 50% off if you go to yoursoul.com slash Liz. That's Y-O-U-R-S-O-L-E.com slash Liz. So you can try Soul for yourself. They're so confident that you'll love them that they offer a 90-day money-back guarantee. It's very hard to go wrong with that. This offer applies to all items on the Soul store, be it footbeds or footwear. Go to yoursoul.com slash Liz. Yoursoul.com slash Liz. So the left's reaction to the truckers is to accuse them of being white supremacist, which is our way of knowing that the left is very threatened by the powerful grassroots movement that is happening right now. So the Decolonized Christian, a popular account on Instagram, created a pictorial graph trying or pretending, presenting themselves as proving that the trucker convoy is the same as white supremacy. White supremacy. So I'll show this on the screen, but let's, let's quickly debunk this. So they say the, this convoy is a display of white supremacy. This isn't about freedom at all, they write. It's about holding on to power and control. It's about us versus them politics rooted in fascist ideology. So let's interrupt. Let's interrupt right there. It's, it's ironic that when they talk about freedom and control and power, it's government officials who are putting themselves higher in this hierarchical structure than the people. And it's government officials who are controlling through their power this private medical decision that people don't want to make, which violates their freedom. So this, it's, it's an absurd argument to be made that 
the trucker convoy is about is about um, control and power. No, no. What the government officials are doing to the truckers is about control and power. So the only argument to be made that about the only argument to be made that the truckers are involved in a movement about freedom as power is to take back power from government officials. Anyway, so the harsh truth, the decolonized Christian says, is that Canada is a colonial state that's only existed since 1867. Most of Canada sits on unceded territory, land that was illegally stolen from indigenous peoples. I think that the right doesn't do a very good job in explaining this or debunking, I should say, debunking this narrative coming from the left that all of our land is illegitimate land, that our government is illegitimate because it exists on this stolen land, stolen from the indigenous peoples. And here's the thing, yes, our land was stolen from the indigenous peoples. We, we, sh we on the right should be very honest about that. It was, it was indeed, it was conquest. That is the history of the world. War and conquest is the history of the world. In fact, these indigenous peoples who we took the land from took the land from other people before them. Now, you can make a moral argument if you want. We can have the philosophical discussion about whether it's moral, whether it's right to do that, to take land from someone else. And once you've taken it, once you've laid claim to it, that it is your own. It doesn't happen often in the modern world. We've gotten past the point of that in history. But the fact of the matter is, the reality of history is that is what happened in history. There is not a nation that I can think of that has possession of land without having taken that possession from someone else. And that's certainly, certainly true of the natives who lived in the Americas, of these indigenous peoples. But you'll notice that leftists trying to portray the American government as illegitimate because it's on quote unquote stolen land, they never mention to you that the indigenous peoples who resided here first also stole that land from other, other indigenous peoples. So the next slide said, while white nationalists seek to quote, take their country back, by the way, it's worth noting here that none of these Canadian truckers in this convoy and none of the protesters have said anything related to white supremacy, anything related to white nationalism, anything related to racism at all. In fact, the organizers of this rally have been unequivocal in condemning violence, in condemning agitation, in condemning extremist groups, and in condemning racism. So this idea or this accusation from the left that these are white nationalists is a hideous and false accusation. Okay, well, white nationalists, they say, seek to take their country back. Indigenous children's remains continue to be recovered from mass grave sites, a reminder of Canada's ongoing legacy of colonial violence. Residential schools were violent institutions run by a commingling of church and state with a joint purpose to rid the Indian out of the child. That is a quote from Canada's first prime minister, John McDonald. So let's unpack this for a second, because just this past year, we this story came into the news again because of reports of these mass graves of indigenous children at Catholic churches across Canada. As a result of this media narrative, 65 churches across Canada, Catholic churches, were subject to vandalism and arson. They were burned to the ground or they were damaged by leftists who were enacting revenge, or so they said, for these schools that uh, civilized, if you will, indigenous children. But here's the thing. I think we can all sit here and say that abuse of children is wrong, that there's an argument to be made that it's extremely immoral to take children, even children who were 
part of savage tribes away from their parents, that that's the wrong thing to do, it wasn't handled correctly. We can acknowledge that while also saying that this story is not being portrayed correctly. And when I say this story is not being portrayed correctly, one of the reasons that this story became a thing again last year is because there was an article that was published saying that 200 to 230 or 215 graves were found in, in a church cemetery, that this was one of the mass grave sites where indigenous children were sent to die. But the problem with that is the anthropologist who actually ra ran the ground analysis, meaning the soil analysis, never actually uncovered any remains of indigenous children. She actually just found soil abnormalities in her analysis. And she herself admits that this could have been due to tree roots, something as innocent as tree roots. And it's, an, it's insane that that part, when this anthropologist ran this analysis herself and said, well, it could be 200 graves, unmarked graves in this mass graveyard of indigenous children, but it also could be tree roots. And we haven't actually uncovered the remains of even a single indigenous child in this graveyard. It's pretty shocking that that story was never told in a truthful way, that it was just portrayed as mass graves of hundreds of children, indigenous children who were abused. And then that was one part of it. The second part of it was there was another cemetery that was similarly said, oh, 700 indigenous children were buried here. Well, it turns out in unmarked graves, it turns out that that was actually a, a cemetery that was in use to this day. It wasn't indigenous children or just indigenous children. And it wasn't in unmarked graves that some of the older graves had wooden crosses that deteriorated over time. So as I said, was there abuse that happened in these, in these schools where indigenous children were taught the ways of the British or the Canadians? Yes, I'm sure there was, and we should condemn that. We should make sure that that never happens again. But was it to the extent that the left is accusing? No, it wasn't, because they're making accusations that are completely unsubstantiated. They're making accusations that these mass graves were uncovered when actually they weren't uncovered, that soil abnormalities, they're not sure what caused the soil abnormalities were found and no remains of the children were found. So when the left portrays Republicans or Christians, or in this case, just Canadians in general, as being white supremacists because of this, they're not telling you the whole story. Now, this, this is, of course, the, the biggest premise or the largest premise of the decolonized, the decolonized Christians post here. Um, and, and it needs to. Now, they go on to say, what does this all have to do with truckers? Right. Good question. Well, the decolonized Christian says, those embarking on this freedom journey are convinced that their rights are being stripped because of a vaccine mandate. They claim their cause is noble to raise awareness of the rising cost of goods and services in the supply chain, when in actuality, what is causing said cost increases is the number of truckers who refuse to get vaccinated, resulting in lower numbers of truckers on the jobs. This rally is an act of entitlement. Again, go back to the first post about freedom and power and control. Who has the power and control? Well, the government in Canada does. And who has the autonomy? Who has the freedom? Not the truckers. Not the truckers. They are standing up for their right to self-determination, their right to make these medical choices for themselves. And the left always, always, always tips their hand and shows that they actually don't respect the individual. They actually don't respect the individual's right to choose. They actually don't respect the individual's freedom. They actually don't respect the individual's, the best interest of the individual. What the left wants is complete capitulation from citizens to governments in control. And if you disagree, if you dissent, if you're skeptical, 
if you protest, they will brand you as a racist, they will brand you as a white supremacist, and they will try to throw you out because they are scared. They are scared of the implications of these grassroots movements, these powerful grassroots movements. Because as I said, you asked that question, Joe Rogan, would you choose Joe Rogan or would you choose would you choose the trucker convoy? I would choose the trucker convoy because grassroots is more powerful than reliance on celebrities. You and I are qualified to discern the truth. We don't need a government or a media or media companies to be the arbiters of truth. We can decide that for ourselves. And the best place to get rid of bad ideas is the court of public opinion. It is to have them challenged and debunked and disseminated. And so we should allow them. That's part of free speech. That's part of free speech is allowing bad opinions to be published. Uh, we should reject technocracy. Joe Rogan should reject technocracy and he should reject censorship too and the slippery slope to censorship. I cannot wait to see what happens next with the Canadian truckers convoy. All right, before we go, hard pivot here. Um, the Tom Brady retirement. Let's talk about that for a second. So I was out of town this weekend. I was in a different city than my husband. And I saw a push notification come in on my phone that Tom Brady was retiring. So I immediately FaceTimed him because he's a huge Tom Brady fan. I immediately FaceTimed him. And you want to know what his response was? He picked up the phone and I was like, Tom Brady's retiring. I wanted to be the one to break the news to him. And his face, utter horror, utter shock. And then his first words, he goes, fake news. He called it fake news. Now, this was before Brady's people or representatives or whoever it was came out and contradicted the ESPN report and said, well, Brady told the general manager at the Bucks that he has not yet firmly decided on a decision. This was before that. My husband called it that it was fake news. And he says in response to that, that Facebook should hire him as a fact checker. And hey, I'm not opposed to it. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.